To have passion in life is everything. What's your Everest? Oh, is it yeah. that 200 inch box? They just look so impressive when they're wide. Especially running away. <laughs> Welcome to this week's episode of Eastman's Elevated. It's like a think tank for outdoor activity. Sounds exactly like my hunting. Just always thinking about it, always trying to evolve it and make it better. Here's your host, Brian Barney. Hey, what's happening, guys? Got a brand new Eastman's Elevated for you. So on today's podcast, I have on David Brinker and Bryce Bishop. So David Brinker has been a friend of mine. I've known him for 10, 15 years now, and um, just a, a great human being. I really enjoy talking and engaging with him. I really enjoy having him on the podcast and having these in-depth conversations, and he he's real vulnerable and honest uh, about how he feels and mental health and just some great conversations over the years and today is no different. Uh, we also have on Bryce Bryce Bishop. Uh, he's from Peaks Gear. Uh, I got one of those guys' headlamps that I'm absolutely loving. Uh, just a great headlamp. And we talk about it today on the podcast. We talk a lot about gear, uh, but we also get into some deeper stuff as well and uh, a, a bunch of hunting content and just made for a great conversation. So thanks to both of these guys for coming on. Uh, this was recorded back at the Western Hunting Expo. Uh, so it's been a minute, but it's all still pertinent information and a great conversation. So I hope you guys enjoy it. I want to thank my sponsors for today's show. I want to thank Savage Arms. I am so impressed by these Savage rifles. Uh, they come out of the box uh, so accurate. Um, I've got a new 6.5 Creedmoor that I've got all set up, and I honestly had this rifle sighted in in about five shots. It's just so consistent. It shoots... Uh, such amazing groups from 100 yards, from 300 yards. I'm just so impressed uh, by what these rifles can do. Uh, so they have a bunch of different platforms that will fit your different preferences or fit your different budgets, and, and all of them are great, out-of-the-box, accurate. Uh, the ones that we're really liking are the 110 Ultralight. They come with an Accu stock where you can adjust the comb height, where you can adjust the length of pull, really get that rifle in and comfortable. They also have an Accu trigger that you can set yourself for a little bit lighter trigger for more accurate shooting. Uh, just a great overall platform. So if you're in the market for a new rifle, make sure to check out Savage Arms. On that new Savage rifle I set up, I've got a new Sig Sauer scope. Uh, Sig Sauer is just building great optics. I'm so impressed by their spotting scopes and their binos and uh, the optical performance in those. Uh, I'm also loved, loving their image-stabilizing binos. I think this is one of the biggest secrets in the hunting industry right now. I've got all my buddies switched over to these, but basically you get to a windy ridge, hit the switch, and you have this this stable glass, and you're just able to see more detail on animals or see more detail when you're picking out uh, an ear or an antler or something of that nature. Uh, they're just amazing. So I used them all last season. I'll be using them again all this season. They have a 10 by 32, which is a great every everyday wear around your chest. They also have a pair of 16 by 45s that are just awesome for when you get on the vantage point, and they're fairly light, so I always have them in my pack. Uh, they're also building the best range finders in the market. Uh, I love them. They, um, they, they do uh, light and dark targets the same. They do incline and decline, quick readouts. 
uh, powerful laser to be able to shoot through grass. Just amazing rangefinders. So really impressed with everything they're doing over there at Sig Sauer. If you're in the market for anything optics, make sure to check them out. I also want to thank Cutter Stabilizers. I really like Earl Stroll, the founder of this company. And these stabilizers, they really help with the hold of the bow and the reaction of it. And and this, again, has been one of my biggest secrets over the last 10 years is I've taken a lot of these tournament shooters' theories and thoughts on on stabilization and on shooting, and I've applied it to my hunting bow. So I shoot a 12-inch back bar. Uh, I shoot a 15-inch front bar. Uh, able to adjust the weights by one ounce to adjust the hold and the reaction of the bow. Uh, just makes for a rock-solid hold, really accurate shots. And when it comes down to backcountry bow hunting, every successful hunt will come down to making a shot, and cutter stabilizers definitely help me with that. Uh, they have a brand-new sidebar bracket. Earl has spent a couple years designing this and working through it. I, I think he's got the best design on the market. I've got it on my bow. The thing is absolutely rock solid so uh, make sure to check out everything they're doing at cutter and again earl's one of us he's a backcountry bow hunter he's an average guy he works multiple jobs he started this business from scratch and is just producing great bars Uh, so if you're in the market let's support him and uh, check out cutter stabilizers and with that over at Eastman's, um, we're keeping busy over there. Uh, we've got uh, uh, some new Beyond the Grids coming out and um, uh, great magazines. I've got a new article that I've got to write uh, that's coming up, so i um, excited to write that. Um, you know, we've got uh, uh, those Beyond the Grids are hitting every month. Um, I saw... Gosh, I haven't had a chance to sit down and see my new edit. Uh, I've been running so busy here, but um, uh, I really want to check it out. I got a a heck of a a compliment from Brandon Mason, which I really like. He works there at Eastman's. He said it's one of the best videos that we've ever put out. Um, And and that's a heck of a compliment coming from Brandon. So um, really psyched at everything we're doing at Eastman's. Again, we're going to have that that. Uh, Mule Deer course is going to be coming out soon. I know Dan Picard has been working around the clock to organize all the content we have there, so uh, be on the lookout for that as well. And are you wanting to take your hunting skills to the next level? Take a look at Eastman's Tag Hub. There are 800,000 data points on an interactive mapping module covering 11 western states and 7 big game species. Tag Hub also offers Eastman's Hunting TV early access to Beyond the Grid TV episodes, exclusive member-only blogs, plus a member's favorite, our Tag Hub 2-Minute Hot Tip. All this plus the long-trusted Eastman's Hunting Bow Hunting Journal. This is the real deal package when it comes to hunting the West. So, um, make sure to check that out, Eastman's Tag Hub. Um, and um, with that, let's get into this podcast. So, I've got David Brinker. Um, I've got Bryce Bishop from Peaks, and uh, I'm your host, Brian Barney, Eastman's Elevated. Here we go. It's re- it's relieving, especially in the hunting, when there's so many people out there that never get to tell their story. Mm-hmm. And Sam was articulate. Mm-hmm. Um, I, most people probably aren't. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but I enjoyed that. So I want to give you props. Oh, thanks so much. Yeah, I appreciate it. Um, yeah, it's uh, uh, I'm at my best during conversations. Like yeah, I'm not right. the best interviewer, but when I get somebody <laughs> where we can really play off each other back yeah. and forth, it turns into this yeah. great podcast. Yeah. Yeah. And you almost can't plan it. Like they almost right. just um, spontaneously uh, yeah. like just happen. No, yeah. you can't yeah. plan it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, but Sam Davis was great. Yeah, thanks for yeah. the compliment. I yeah. really appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. Yep. Um, Everything you do is Do you want amazing. me to go grab your guy? Um, he'll just come in and set up and go on live, but we're recording. We're good to go. Oh, we are. We'll just get started. Right, I sent what him do a we text want to launch today? Then... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, so uh, live. Dave Brinker, thanks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one of my favorite people, David Brinker. And then uh, I also Bryce. have Bryce that I that I met at the Western Hunting Summit. So yeah. uh, these guys are from Peaks, putting out great stuff. And I uh, just saw that new headlamp you guys put out. Man, yeah. that thing's fire. Yeah, it's, yeah. Pretty, it's been awesome so far. Yeah, actually, I'm seeing spots still because yeah. Bryce shined it in my eyes earlier. <laughs> Man, that thing is so bright. Yeah, yeah. you don't look when you no, turn you, that thing you, on. I hope we tell people all If I have permanent damage, long. can I sue my other no, own company? No, you can't. Okay. No. Yep. But we've been telling all people, people all day long just – don't look in it. You're, you're going to be seeing stars for a few days if you do. But it's been awesome. We uh, we put a lot of work into that. We had people, you know, Ryan Lampers, Brian Call, Stephen Drake, help us with a lot of the development and the testing and the feedback and the tweaking and the iterations. And they just, you know, it, it, we dialed it in little by little by little until they were like, yep, this is what we want. It's, it's, uh, it's hard to realize because it's so unconscious to us now how important some of those little things are. Because mm-hmm. right. I've even seen it, I've been watching people today, they're like, yeah, a headlamp, really? Right. But if you think about it, a headlamp is a really important piece of gear. Mm-hmm. You know, it's sometimes can be life or death, or mm-hmm. at least it'll make your life pretty miserable if, you're, if your headlamp's not working correctly, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so uh, the response we've got, we launched it, what, last, or this Monday? Monday. Last Monday? This, um, yeah, this I would last say time. it's, Four or five x what we anticipated. Oh, easily in terms of yeah. uh, response, it's been Phenomenal. unbelievable. Yeah. We got to go back and figure out how we're going to sustain. <laughs> <laughs> we got to order more. We got to order some more. <laughs> the best products out there like fix a problem, and some of these yeah. problems we don't even know we have. And so yeah. I'm always looking for a quality headlamp, buying sure. the the black diamond mm-hmm. or buying, and yeah. and they're tough to try out and figure out how many lumens. But you went out and designed the perfect hunting headlamp. Like yeah. you, you thought of everything. The red light, it's super bright. It's rechargeable. Mm-hmm. Uh, ease of use, you can't put it on upside down. Like right. uh, 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 so many of these problems that I didn't know I had. But once you describe them to me or once I know that you came out with that product, it's like, man, you built the perfect headlamp for hunters. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's no surprise why it's taken off. Yeah, you're yeah. going to have a tough time keeping those I, things in stock. <laughs> yeah. yeah. See, yeah, now we, we got to figure out how to keep those and gators in stock. right? Yeah. 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 Those, those two products for us have just been, I mean, Everything's been great, but those two products in particular, we spent so much time making sure that they were perfect because we just said, if there's a risk out there of failure, right, it's going to be epic failure, mm-hmm. right? If, if you can't nail those two products because they just get either abused so much or people just compare them to like non-hunting brand products that are out there. And um, we just put a lot of effort into 
trying to get the feedback from the hunters that are using them and what they really wanted and needed, mm -hmm. and then implemented that into the headlamp, and it's been a success. So we're really pleased with it, how it's gone so far. It's yeah. like a great business model for Peaks, is that's what you've yeah. done since the start of it, Correct. with the trekking poles, uh, with the that's gators, right. and now with the headlamp, and, and you've set out to build the best out there. Yeah. And uh, you've talked to the right guys and taken in all the input, and uh, then, then really thought about it and came out with the best product you can. Man. Yeah, Brinker's yeah. always been really good about that. Like, I remember from the very beginning when I first met him and then we sat down to talk about it and he was like, well, what do you want this brand to be and who do you, who do you want to become? And I just was like, well, we want to sell stuff, right? You know, but he's like, no, that's not good enough. Like, you need to be focused on solving specific problems that hunters have. And once you do that, then, you know, you'll, you'll be able to be a a winning brand. Yeah. And Brinker, you're so smart. You got <laughs> such good insight I, I, into I'm the market. I'm glad he made that story up, everybody. Because uh, <laughs> I, I, I just saw everybody, I, like, I got a 1.87 in high school. I'm not actually very smart. <laughs> that just means you're a genius in real life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we got that teepee coming out this summer. Oh, you, you see that did. thing over yeah, there? Yeah, I saw yeah. it over there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. People are pretty excited about that. Yeah. So Tell me we, about that thing. You know, we, we, again, we put a lot of effort into what do we really think a hunter needs from a teepee? And, but we also wanted to take a system approach to it. Like how can we take our trekking pole and rather than just using it as the center pole, which a lot of teepees do, we wanted to be able to build a system that worked together. So we actually integrated the trekking poles to where they cross up in the top of the teepee. And so they kind of push out a little bit, but they provide so much structural support to the teepee that thing in wind, Corey Jacobson took it up to Alaska on his hunt this last fall. And he said that they were like in 50 mile an hour sustained winds like every day. And he's like, it just performed like a champ up there. Um, so again, it was just a system approach of how can we take a product built for hunters, integrate it into another product and give a hunter something that's really specific to what they need. And, and that uh, one, that support. one specifically is because it's, it's kind of a, complicated piece of equipment you know even yeah. now i mean we're launching it in july but we're still making a few last minute tweaks on it you know sure. and usually with gear obviously those are the hardest things you know the last yeah. the last 10 percent, i always say is the hardest actually yeah. it's the last five percent is the hardest on everything uh and and uh but we're making the the final tweaks now and yeah and uh we're really excited about it for sure yeah. so it's a it's a four-man tp um, but that's four man, probably without your gear. Mm -hmm. Three men. We, my brother, my nephew, and I hunted all season in it. Three guys with all of our gear. We fit in it fine. Two guys with a stove. It's like a castle for two guys with a stove. And it's it's you can either run it floorless or you can, it's got a footprint that you can run with it. Mm -hmm. um, and it just. Uh, it's just been awesome so far. Man. Do you hunt a teepee? Have you used teepees? Oh, before? my gosh. Like I, I just finally discovered them a few years ago. Yeah. And for late season hunting, it's been yeah. a game changer. But for any hunting, really. Mm -hmm. It's like mm -hmm. when I pack in with a buddy with, for the weight of it, mm -hmm. you yeah. can share a shelter and That's share right. the experience and laugh together right. and be in the same mm -hmm. tent instead of being in your single man right. mummy in there right. you know, by yeah. yourself when it's well, raining. Right. So it's a game changer yeah. for that. And then the late season, 
Um, I, I think it's a distinct advantage over everybody else out there. When it gets snowy, when it gets cold, when it gets below zero, yeah. you got to have heat in your shelter. Yeah. And I'm able to take a teepee because of the weight of it, because right. of the weight of the stoves, and I can backpack it way in the heck back in there. And mm-hmm. I can touch country that nobody, nobody can get to because to. they can't get a wall tent back there. Or they yep. can't get the heat back there. Yep. So it's an absolute game changer. And I love you guys are fixing problems like yeah. uh, those teepees. They leave a little bit to be desired in the wind. Like, yes. oh, my gosh. Like, uh, right. in those windstorms, they just flap around all night, and they pull stakes up, mm-hmm. and I don't get any sleep, like, yeah. in the windy yeah, spots. nerve-wracking. And, and yeah. try to find a, a, a non-windy spot in Montana. Yeah. Good <laughs> luck, right? <laughs> like, it, yeah. it's always blowing there. Right. So, again, right. like, it sounds like with the poles, like, you've solved a problem to give it some structure up helps. high. Yeah, well, to have that structure, and, again, to your point, it's like it's – multi-use right so the 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 cross members up there don't only just support the teepee but then you've got places where you can hang your socks hang your gloves hang your boots help dry them out when that stove's going it's heating up higher in the teepee so you can dry all that stuff out faster and still have the structural support that you need Mm. and it's just it kind of just served two purposes to solve some of those problems because obviously in the late season you're getting wet a lot Mm -hmm. of snow whatever you want to make sure your stuff's dry the next day and it just serves two purposes up in there. So that was a, one of the great uh, things our designer came up with when he was putting it together. Mm. You guys chose the perfect size, too. Yeah. Yeah, like yeah. A, a big two-man with all his gear in a stove is perfect, yeah. Yeah. but you can fit a third if you need them. Yeah. Or, yeah. you know, it's uh, like so many times I just find myself in the middle. Like the, yeah. the two-man <laughs> yep. is great if you're set up for that, but mm-hmm. a lot of times it's not enough, yeah. you know. But right. I can't run one of the great big ones either. And backpack it into the yeah. places that I want to hunt. No. Yeah. Man. Yeah, we looked at all the different sizes out there, right? And uh, their footprints just tried to figure out what was going to be the best size to, like, kind of accommodate all those different things you just described. And that's kind of where we f- fell in the end. Mm-hmm. And, What's the uh, weight? So all in, it's right at about four pounds. Mm-hmm. That includes the footprint, the carbon center pole, the fly, all the stakes. So that's total packed weight. Mm-hmm. It's right at about four pounds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, like I said, you can put four guys in it without gear comfortably, mm-hmm. really comfortably. Gosh, so, if there was yeah. one piece of gear that changed the way you hunt, that teepee. Oh, the teepees it. have done it. You know, yeah. you watch guys like Ryan Lampers, Brian Call, Stephen Drake, all these guys that start, have started using them, and it's just changed their whole dynamic of the way they hunt, right? Like, mm-hmm. instead of, like you said, getting in a coffin at night, like those little one-man whatever, you're comfortable and that's one of our biggest things when we've been designing gear is that we really believe that the more comfortable you can be the more well rested you can be the longer you're going to stay out there the more success you're going to have and so in our product design process we're always thinking about comfort and how we can improve the comfort of the backcountry hunter Mm -hmm. so gosh it makes sense you guys are killing it yeah yeah why suffer? <laughs> yeah. Oh, Su- yeah. To have a good base camp and get good sleep is, is crucial. I think that's the best kept secret of most successful backcountry hunters is like everybody thinks, oh, man, it's so hard or whatever. But, but they've dialed in their system so well that, yeah, I mean, pain maybe, getting mm-hmm. in and out, whatever, but suffering, they don't really suffer anymore when they're in the mountain because they just, everything's dialed into exactly what they want and need. It actually... And, uh, you know, several years back when a lot of these improvements were being made, it, it annoyed me when I saw someone that didn't suffer as much as I was. <laughs> because I'm like, what have you figured out that I haven't? Because apparel, 
as we all know, changed, what, 13, 14 years ago with Sitka and Kuyu and First Light and all these companies. Now there's many options, right? So we've all got improved uh, technical clothing and stuff. But really, the, 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 uh, the rest of the technical equipment that came out of the mountaineering industry didn't really start tra- changing a lot in the hunting industry until the last several years. Mm-hmm. But now you can really actually have a pretty comfortable experience in the backcountry you know, mm-hmm. within reason. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yep. Right. And, you know, people like Ryan Lampers, um, who I respect tremendously, he'll tell you he doesn't suffer at all anymore. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm, no, I can, and he'll stay back there for three weeks by himself. Yeah, I asked him the other day, I was like, dude, how did you do that when he shot that bull this In year? Nevada. Because I'm yeah. like, you were out there for like a month straight, man. And he's like, it was hard, man. I, like, I had to put two new notches in my belt because, you know, I was rationing my food or whatever. But, but other than that, he was like, but I just was fine. I was at peace. I was comfortable. I just was So we're, we're, trying to, we're trying to bring a – it's not a new perspective per se, but it's, a, it's just a kind of a different angle on it, which is how do you take – how do you make things that are lightweight without sacrificing durability and comfort? Right. Because if you just make things that are lightweight, that's great. That makes it a little easier to get in and get out. Mm-hmm. But are there are there are there gives and takes that you can be like, you know what? I'll pack in an extra ounce or two mm-hmm. if I can sleep good. Yes. Or right. if I can X, Y, or Z better. Yeah. You know. Right. Um, and those are the questions we're asking, and I'm and I'm challenging Bryce and the team on all the time. And we're trying to figure out. It's like, what are those? sacrifices that people are willing to make what are the products that you do need to make shave every ounce because it doesn't matter and then what are the things that are like you know what what if we did this mm-hmm. and it just helped enough to where the person's gonna they can stay another couple days mm-hmm. and not feel like absolute hell because the reality is as you know brian because you are an outlier and <laughs> ryan lampers is an outlier most yes. guys can't last more than a day or two in the backcountry before they're totally sleep deprived mm-hmm. they're they're not eating right they're not drinking enough water. They're going way too hard. Probably stalking animals that they shouldn't have. They should have waited on. You know, they're burning themselves out. Mm-hmm. And then they and then all they can think about is a cheeseburger and a beer, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? And they leave. Mm-hmm. And then guys like you, you're like, ah, ah, stocks aren't right. I'm gonna just kind of rest today. I'm gonna wash this buck. I'm gonna drink some water. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna make sure my camp's solid. And they've it's it's almost a more intelligent, uh, philosophical way to approach mm-hmm. the mountain. But it allows you to stay longer, and it, inevitably, if you stay longer, you're more successful, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, that's it. And you figured it out, and a few others have, but I, I just, I still don't think the general public understands that philosophy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're starting to, mm-hmm. you know? For a long time, people didn't, we were on the podcast the other day, I still have a friend, and I hope he doesn't listen to this and be offended, <laughs> because I, I love him. He's a, good, a great guy. But he'll tell me, I'd rather break a stick over my knee and use a stick rather than a trekking pole. And it's like, okay. Okay, fine. But <laughs> is it really that big of a deal to carry a trekking pole? You know, trekking poles are great. You know, there's lots of benefits to having trekking poles that we can talk about later, whatever. Yeah. But just that mo- thinking more intelligently about how you're going to get into this very uncomfortable environment that doesn't really want you to be there. Mm-hmm. And withstand it so you can focus on what you're actually trying to do, which is harvest your animal right yeah 
So well said. It's yeah. so spot on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. Like, a, a, you know, you're definitely going to go through trying times, but choose your own suffering. Like, yeah. uh, right. be comfortable. Like, uh, getting technical mountaineering gear is clothing. Just allows you to be more comfortable mm-hmm. on vantage points. Like, the uh, coming out with um, uh, uh, the, the puffy pants mm-hmm. to be able to, like, that yeah, was How did exactly. people survive before puffy? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> oh, man. The well, Breaker's got this idea. I don't want to, you know, embarrass him, but he's got oh, this idea. Right. This, You'll never embarrass yeah, me. He's got this idea for this onesie that we, we, <laughs> <laughs> we tease him about all the time. Hey, I want a puffy Bring onesie. Her, no, if there's can't. any companies out there that want to make a puffy onesie, I would wear it. <laughs> Ryan Lampers is like, I don't know if he caught dead. I hate wearing my hunting clothes at night when I get back to camp. Uh, uh, funny story. You know Josh Boyd probably. Mm-hmm. We were on the mountain one night together uh, looking for mule deer. And uh, this was like, I don't know, this might have been seven or eight years ago. This was before puffy pants were, guys were kind of leery of them. They're like, dude, puffy mm-hmm. pants. Yeah. The puffy coats had been accepted, but puffy mm-hmm. pants, I had some Sitka prototypes we were working on in my pack at the time because I was still working at Sitka. And we were sitting on this mountain waiting for this buck, and uh, it was cold. It was in October, and, and uh, I was freezing. So I whip out my puffy pants, and I'll never forget the look on Josh's face. When he saw me, he goes, what are those? <laughs> Just sheer go, These are my puffy pants. He goes, puffy pants? Where'd you get those? <laughs> and I put those on, and I was, it is a game changer. Yes. Yeah. I never take them out of my pack now. Yeah. I keep a puffy jacket, and I don't care if it's the middle of September or whenever it is. Maybe not in August, obviously, antelope hunting and stuff. But anytime after elk season starts, I never take my puffy ba- uh, jacket, my puffy pants out of my backpack yeah i mean are you the same way oh the same way it, it's such a difference maker you you think you can just layer up on your top and you throw on four five six layers mm-hmm. on your top and your rain jacket over and you're still cold even with long johns and yeah. pants on right. but the minute you zip on those puffy pants oh, yeah. it's just like you're in a sleeping bag and i i have a yep. similar story like sharing the mountain with my good buddy dan hebron which i do a bunch of hunting with yeah. and we were hunting wyoming and it was one of those years where the uh it snowed and rain and sleeted. It was cold. It was early September, but it was nasty conditions. Yeah. Wind up there, and we're trying to live at 10,000 foot up there. And, and uh, it, it was like I, I pulled those things out of my pack, and I had them on the vantage point. And Dan actually ordered a pair that was at his house when he got home from the mountain <laughs> oh, off really? his phone. Yeah, it was just like he couldn't keep warm enough. He had to keep going down and get to the fire or get to the yeah. stove, you know. And, wow. and I could sit up there and just be comfortable. But, yeah, it's an absolute game changer. It's such yeah, a, yeah. a simple piece of gear, and you wouldn't yep. think it'd be a huge difference, but it is. It and is. you feel kind of dorky yeah. when you're wearing them. You know, yeah. you feel like the, the, the marshmallow man, man. Yeah, yeah. The Michelin yep. man. <laughs> but it's one of those things where you're like, you know, I don't really care what I look no. like. <laughs> because I can actually focus on glassing now again, yeah. you know. Um, and I'm not one of these guys that wants to take my sleeping bag out of my shelter. So I would just, you know, anyways, I don't know how we got. How did we get started? On, oh, you I mentioned the puffy onesie. Yeah. Yes. Well, um, and and I've even worn them like when it gets well below zero, yeah. and it's most guys can't even be out hunting. But you have those things yeah. on, and you keep warm. And yeah. puffy gear, you got to be careful at yeah. how much hiking you do in it. But yeah. I've had some days where I wear them all day long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you unzip the sides, you can get away with a lot. You yeah, know, let a lot of yeah. air out of there. But yeah. it's just like one of those key pieces of gear that you figure that out, and it makes a difference in your hunting. And so, right. just like you were saying, Bryce, like you don't have to suffer. You you don't have to suffer at camp. You can have heat you can share a camp and and like you were saying david like uh uh some of like i i'm a uh a backcountry hunter a backpack hunter
runner and I, I am very weight conscious and I'm a minimalist and I only take what I need. But I'll take an extra half a pound for a good pad so I'm not rolling over with my hips sore and my right. shoulders sore. Mm-hmm. I get better sleep. I'm not yep. sleep deprived. Mm-hmm. So there I hunt better. Like I'm not red-eyed and worn out and not effective in the mountains. Like because you get that that sleep, because you get mm-hmm. recovered, like you're able to recharge and, and charge the mountain the next day. Yeah. Yeah. Such a different sure. I, I had a friend sure. in Montana, and this is, again, this is 15 years ago, but he's he was so weight conscious. I mean, he was sleeping in elk beds with just a puffy jacket, no sleep, no shelf. It's like, and a rain Jeez, jacket. It's crazy. like, dude, okay. Like, like you're, you can do that for a day, but you're not doing that for 10 days. No way. No way. It's not sustainable. No. So we all have to find what those gifts, and it's different for everybody. Yep. Everybody has different sure. pain tolerance. I'm kind of a wuss. Yeah, me too. Like, I like being comfortable. When I get, that's where the onesie thing, he, he makes it sound like a joke. <laughs> He's serious about it. I, I, when I get back to camp, I'll be on. I don't, I have nothing to prove to anybody. When I get back to camp, I want to be comfortable. Yes. I want to rest. I'm exhausted. Yeah. I want to eat good food. Good I food. want to drink yes. water. And I want to sit somewhere that's not a rock. Mm-hmm. And I want to be warm. I don't want to be in my sweaty clothes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so I'm the type of person I will carry a little bit extra in, and it, it annoys people. They're like, what the hell is that? What are you carrying? It's like, well, I'm, you don't have to carry it. I'll carry it, right. and I'll bear the pain because when I get to camp, <laughs> you're going to be one that's not sleeping good because you got that little skinny pad, yeah. you know? I, I'm rolling. I'm good, man. Yeah. You know? There's yeah. everybody's got to make that line, mm-hmm. but there is a line there between sure. comfort and weight. for sure. And, and, and um, there are things that are way too heavy. Obviously. Yeah. But, but you know, sure. I've also gone way too light and way too many places mm-hmm. and hats and don't do suffer. And a lot of times, you know, you throw out a bed roller, a bivy sack. Most nights you're fine, mm-hmm. but those nights when it pours oh, down boy. rain, you, like, you, you just yeah, wish you, just you wish. had a TV. Yeah. <laughs> That's a pretty it, miserable yeah. night. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. It's um, uh, or you can go lightweight. And, and skip your pad and skip your step. Um, but, could, you know, oh a, a night on the dirt that. like that is brutal. brutal and the next it. day you're just worn out. And it, it's yeah. kind of like um, you have to manage your exertion, too. Yeah. Um, like uh, uh, when, you get, when you get a chance at an animal or some days I know, like on a, a real extreme backcountry hunt, and I look across this canyon and I've got this buck I want to shoot, but it's lose 2,000, gain 2,000. Like I know even the shape that I'm in, if I go for this stock, I'm not going to be at my best tomorrow right like i'm gonna have to pay for this stock yeah so when i look at it like i look at it carefully and i weigh it oh, that's and a, i that's go great like philosophy. is it a really high percentage yeah. stock where i may kill that thing and it's going to be worth it i can be dragging tomorrow yeah. or do i want to play it safe and bring my camp up here and then move my camp so over to where looking, that bucks you're, you're almost looking knowledge. at it i've thought about this i've been trying to conceptualize this but you almost look at it like you're, you have a gas tank yes right. and it's like you're choosing like, I have this How many miles on my gas, gas tank yes. yeah. for the whole week. Yep. It's like, I don't want to burn those calories mm-hmm. if I if there's a high risk that I'm just going to blow the buck out. Because tomorrow, like you said, you're going to be miserable. That's really well, cool. I, I never thought about that. It's not only physical. It's mental, oh, yeah. too. Yeah. Like, uh, being run down, being tired, being sleep deprived, you don't make as good of decisions. You're yeah. more you're more apt to, mm-hmm. to, to quit or to, mm-hmm. to give in or mm-hmm. to give in to the negative in your brain, the negative right. talk. Where mm-hmm. if, like, I, I have my... You know, six to ten miles a day, a couple thousand vertical feet, I can recover from that day in, day out. But I know if I redline or I do more than that, I'm going to pay for it for the next couple days. So, like, I've, 
got to be, you know, I've got to decide that it's high percentage. This is worth the risk to go after this buck. I may arrow him and I'll pay for it for the next couple of days. And I know I got to keep my attitude up, but I, yeah. I've been there enough times. But yeah, I really do weigh my options, uh, how much exertion I'm going to put in. I, I weigh it, my gas tank. It's interesting. You, you, you have a really pretty accurate, precise idea of exactly what you can do per day. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're paying for it. Most people don't. I don't know. No. I, I'd have no. to think about that. Because no, we've been like weekend too warriors. Emotional. A lot of if I hear a bugle, it's like, screw it, yeah, I'm, I'm going. going. That's and some days it's say. worth it. Yeah. 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 Most days it's not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we've been weekend warriors for a long time, right? And we're yeah. like pushing the red line every day because you only got like three days, you know, to try to get it done. But by the time you get through the end of September, your body is just like wore down, beat to shreds, just you yep. can't maintain that. And so yep. last year, last year was like our first really experience of going out and doing like a nine or 10 day hunt. And at first I kind of was like charging in the first few days, you know, but then I could feel myself starting to wear down. And then I had to literally like say, we got to dial this back for a few days just to make sure we don't burn ourselves out. Right. Yeah. But by the end, you know, we, we found that balance that you were just talking about. We were like, okay, we know we can push ourselves about to this limit every day. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even want to go home at the end. We had to go home, but I was like, I don't, no, you get. I'm a, good. You, I'm, you I'm get. Your, feeling great. You kind of find your groove. Yeah. Pace is important. Yeah, yeah. yeah you find yeah. your groove. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, and another one of your guys's products that uh, saves energy and and you can do more miles with less exertion is trekking poles. Sure. And it's a game changer to yeah. have two of those things and be able to strap your bow to your yeah. pack or your rifle to your pack. It just yeah. um, not only does it it help you on the uphills, help stabilize you on the downhills. Uh, but it does, like, it takes less exertion. It's it's almost like helps your stabilizing muscles in your legs. So, like, uh, for us guys, like, uh, age is undefeated and we're all getting yeah, older. Right? <laughs> but to use those trekking poles extends the distance that we can do yeah. day in, day out. Yeah, we were at a lot of uh, medical studies on the use of trekking poles as we were developing them. And without the use of trekking poles, you use something like 60, 65% of your muscle groups as you're hiking. Uh-huh. With trekking poles, you're actually at about 90% of your muscle groups. And so you're actually spreading the fatigue out. So your legs aren't carrying so much of the load anymore. You're, you're spreading that up through your shoulders, uh-huh. your back, everything. And it just reduces that fatigue that you have yeah. overall. And then downhill, a lot of those studies were showing that you reduce the impact on your joints from your ankles to your knees to your hips by like 40 to 45 percent. So just, you know, those trekking poles are a game changer. I, there's so many people out there like, I'm not going to use trekking poles. Those are for sissies, which this is know, why you named them sissy sticks. Sissy sticks. Yeah. But, um, but they just don't understand, you know, how much of a difference they actually make. Yeah. And if you use them the right way, if you use them as a crutch, you know, and, you, and as a substitute for physical fitness, then they don't help as much as they should because you're just, you know, you're leaning on them. You're not using them the right it's way. It's really hard to feel the benefit of them, even though there is one, uh, when you have no, like not a lot of weight on, yeah, you know, sure. when you're just hiking, I use them yeah. now just hiking. Yeah. But if you have a load, like 80 pounds of meat or something, yeah, it's and, you don't, and I don't have my pole, like I did that for years. We all did. Right. Yeah. Uh, the whole time. That's why my back's probably so screwed up, you know, <laughs> uh, carrying elk out with no, it's like, First of all, bad backpacks before good backpacks were available in right. the hunting industry. So you have no trekking poles, a crappy backpack, and a, you know a terrible load. And uh, now, the the difference with trekking poles with a big load it's is 
Yeah. I, I don't know what the what the actual I numbers know, are, but you can re even people that are skeptical. Oh yeah, I can tell. Oh yeah, something to lean on, right? Well, that's those those studies that we read. It it took two sample groups, and one sample group they did without tricking poles, the other one that they did with tricking poles, and they loaded them up. They put they put it like a, I think it was a 60% body load on these people. So it wasn't it wasn't huge, but it was still some weight, and. The group that used trekking poles recovered like two days faster than the group that didn't use trekking poles. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was yeah. crazy. Yeah. And so, I, the, you, you know, we talk about the science and everything today, right? But the science behind trekking poles is just really sound. It's pretty clear. Yeah, it's pretty clear. Yeah. Oh, it's crystal yeah. clear. Yeah. You show up to the trailhead with a guy that has trekking poles and you don't, it's crystal clear. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. You're going, oh, man, here we go. Yeah. Oh, you're in for a day of punishment. <laughs> yeah, guaranteed. You're, you're going to suffer. Yeah, but like you say, for the pack out, uh, doing miles and I like to use them to get into the place and get out I don't yep. like to, to hunt or I don't like the noise of them yeah, while sure. I'm hunting sure. uh, but you know I'd pack those things just to have them for the yeah. pack out alone yes. like it's such for a sure. game changer and, uh, and and it's wild I find um, like uh, uh, when I went to Alaska and I hunted caribou and I hunted that, that muskeg or that tundra you know and mm -hmm. you got all those ups and those rises oh, yeah. it takes three miles of exertion to do a mile in that it's like yeah. walking in a lake with all these grass mounds and and you try to walk in the bottoms and that doesn't work it tries to roll your ankle and you try to walk on the tops and it tries to kick you off yeah. it takes so much stabilization muscles mm -hmm. to move anywhere out there i started yeah. bringing trekking poles and i started covering country like it was Twice montana as fast, yeah. Right? yeah yeah it was oh, yeah. it was just a game changer yeah when yeah. you use them you really see the difference in them yeah it's funny how much a difference how we're all kind of learning along this process and, and how a piece of gear can help so much. Just yes. something so simple yeah. yes. can help your experience so much. Yeah. yeah. Especially sure something can. as hard as packing meat. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we all love it, but we all hate it. Yeah. All at the same time. Yeah. You know, oh. So anything that we can do to make it a little bit less miserable, mm -hmm. I'll take. Yeah. yeah. Elk are heavy. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, trekking poles for going uphill, for yeah. coming down with that weight. They're they'll just, save they're your, just heavy. They, I mean... They could save your legs, you know, oh, breaking yeah. a leg or I've caught sure. myself oh, quite yeah. sure. coming down a lot, yeah. you know. Yeah. Well, yeah. and quality trekking poles, I mean, that's why we really developed them. When we, man, how long ago was this? Five, five or six years ago when we first started this project, my brother and I were going in for a really deep backcountry hunt. And he's like, you need trekking poles. And I was like, I don't want trekking poles. Like, I've never used trekking poles before. He's like, you're going to need them. So I, I went and bought the cheapest pair of trekking poles that I could find, right? We were... 12-ish miles back in when we killed a bull and we were coming out and that cheap trekking pole bent right in half like completely 90 degrees in half and I didn't have that I didn't have two for the rest of the pack out and I suffered way more than he did mm -hmm. and so the whole pack out we were just talking about it right we're like man how do you build a trekking pole for a hunter like what what does a hunter need in a trekking pole and then when we got back we just you know I started tinkering around prototyping things of course, there's a million carbon fiber trekking poles out there, right? And there's a million aluminum trekking poles out there. And that's kind of the, been the dilemma. You either go ultra lightweight, but trekking poles that are carbon can break. Aluminum ones are a little bit heavier, but more durable. So we just decided to kind of build that hybrid model where the upper two sections are carbon fiber, the lower sections aluminum. So you got the lightweight benefit, but the durability of the aluminum. Mm -hmm. and for backcountry hunters who are hard on their gear, it was kind of that perfect combination for those guys. Mm -hmm. So that's how we actually started. And that's how, you know, we tested, we sent it with Brian Call and Ryan Lampers to New Zealand. Mm -hmm. 
when they were hunting tar and they were out there for, I don't know what it was, 10, 14 days. And they came back and they said, these are legit. We can put our stamp of approval on these things. And then we lo- that's when we launched right after that. So anyways, but I think a, a good set of trekking poles that are, whether they're ours or anybody else's, make sure they're high quality trekking poles and uh, not just the cheapest ones that you can find on, out there. So, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, you yeah I, think you, I think you can buy trekking poles at Walmart, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's you know, where I bought my that's first. That's probably why you bought yeah, they, they're, they're pretty easy to break. <laughs> 1999. Uh, yeah, 1999 special. Yeah. The first place I got camo when I was a kid. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Man, that, yeah, that uh, New Zealand is definitely a test for them. Those guys put on some good miles. I they remember did. that was the last year yeah. I was out there, too. Gosh, I wish it God, I want to go again. I've been to New Zealand once, Yep. and I did tar and stag and a couple other things, but I did not do fallow. Mm-hmm. Actually, I did do fallow, and I made a couple stocks, but I failed. I, I had my recurve. I want to go back and do what you did. Yes. Dude, that looks... Oh, so. fallow during the croak. Oh, it's unreal. Is it, is it the, called the croak? Yep, it is. It's <laughs> the croak. Really? The yeah. croak. Yeah, they, uh, a totally different rut. So mm. um, the the uh, uh, the bucks, they, they make themselves, or the stacks, they make themselves a nest. And so they get in and they have this really small area that's maybe like 20 yards by 30 yards. And they want to dress it up for the females. So they scrape up all the trees in there. <laughs> they tear up the dirt. They just make a mess in this. Wow. And then they croak. Yeah, I can't. I'm not very good at the noise. But, uh, but uh, and then they croak, and they actually attract the females to their nesting spot, and then they rut them in there. Really? Uh, but so much character, like uh, the the coats on them can be anything from dark brown to they can have an axis coat to white, uh, a bunch of different coats on them. Uh, and then wow. the antlers are really cool. Like uh, yeah. uh, they live in country. It reminds me of mule deer country. It's like huh. they have a stage-like brush. It's open, rolling hills, yeah. like uh, like you'd hunt in um, uh, uh, Idaho or Oregon or uh, Eastern Montana, or mm-hmm. kind of that rolling mm. sagebrush. And wow. that's where those fallow bucks live. And really? so, um, a really cool hunt, a really cool experience. And um, I was fortunate. Remy got me like on one of the best places, you know, right. this um, low nice. fence, three hundred thousand acres of, of um, uh, private. We just uh, we stayed like it was friends of Remy's and able to stay there and hunt that place, but really able to explore and branch out. And then the character on these things, like yeah, uh, they are so many points. Like when do you ever get the chance to hunt a twenty by twenty three? <laughs> you know, yeah. it's just crazy. So David, yeah. you love it. We got to go back and go do it. I was gonna say, Remy, if you're listening, I'll, yeah. I'll just throw me in your suitcase. I'm part <laughs> of the yeah. group. We're all best buddies now. Right. Oh, that guy's the man. He knows New Zealand like the back of his hand. He spent years out there yeah. uh, paying yeah. his dues, learning that place, guiding. So, yeah, he's... Uh, what are the... Uh, I, I always forget, but what are the deer in Australia called? The... The, the sandbar? Sandbar. Yeah. I've been... I, I, I just got invited to come down there and do that on one of the best places down there. And they look cool, too. They look really cool. But see, it, the problem dude, is, Brian, let if, you I go, in. if I go... Well, they probably won't right now. <laughs> yeah. But the problem is, Brian, if I go down there, then it's going to be something I want to do every year. See, you start adding up yes. these things, right? <laughs> my, wife call, my wife calls it hunting season creep. <laughs> That's you know, right. When That's I first right. met her, my hunting season was September. And, ever, you know, since I've been in the industry for... 15 years almost now my hunting season is all year so yeah. if i add another thing so like i go to axis hunt in hawaii every year now in the spring and then i got bear and so i have, i add sandbar i just don't know if my wife's gonna like this and i want to go do the fallow so maybe we'll make that a yearly thing too so now i i should probably just stay in the south pacific for a couple a couple months right it's uh i'm not sure you'd stay married <laughs> <laughs> 
it's so true. Uh, like, uh, uh, you know, we, we go on these things with these intentions of like, I'm gonna, I want to do this once yeah. in my life. Yeah. I want to go experience this thing. Yeah. And you prepare for it. And you study up and you go do this one thing. And then it's the coolest thing you've ever <laughs> done, right? And, and so you just got to go back and go yeah. do it again or yeah. do it every year. So, yeah, yeah no, right. I, I have that same uh, uh, same problem where I get addicted to these hunts. If I know Brian, he's getting close to going to Hawaii, aren't you? Yeah, uh, uh, yep. Um, I'll April? probably do uh, uh, this year. They they have a hunt um, that they're going to do where they're going to combine the mufon sheep and the axis deer. On the oh, line. really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. 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 So yeah. I think it's uh, end of end of uh, May. So okay. it'll time that axis rep pretty good. Awesome. Nice. Yeah, yeah, I'm going June twentieth. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. now I'm feeling Molokai. left out. I got to get there and go. Oh. Well, you should. You, once you, you, should. Once you hunt access once, you just like you're a change I told man. you that two years ago. Yeah. And I've been telling Lampers this for several years. He would love, if you like hunting mule deer, it's not the same, obviously, but you'll get more spot and stalking experience in one hunt than you will in 10 years hunting mule deer. I mean, it's it's insane. It's insane. In velvet tines sticking out of the yeah. brush. You know, <laughs> you're, you're, if, you're, if you're in a good area, you're stalking nonstop. I mean, it's. I remember when I hunted Lanai, which was amazing. Uh, I had to go back to my hotel every day because I was tired. Like I couldn't, I couldn't stalk all day. And I, a couple days, I ran out of arrows. <laughs> I literally yeah. had to go back and yeah, get more it's arrows. Common. Yeah, like I was, I was out there with deer everywhere, and I was zero arrows. Zero my arrows. buddies told me to bring two dozen arrows. Yeah, I bring six arrows dozen. on a lot of my hunt. Yeah, I'm right? like two dozen. Yeah, I got like, like a oh, What am I going to do out right? there? And then I learned real quick. Yeah, yeah. Dude, you can't they're, do that out there. They're just really switched on, and so they'll jump a string uh, real easily. Like, uh, and and you start, you miss one or two, and gets inside your head. And so mm. last time I went out there, I was just so focused on execution, making good shots, yeah. and. Um, really well but they they are tough and you fall in love with hunting them it's like we fall in love i don't know uh, i think you're an elk guy but yeah. mule deer but we sure. we fall in love with these species and these these yeah. these hunts to go after them these elk yeah. and these mule deer and and i fall in love and i know david has too with axis deer the species like mm. uh, uh imported from india like evolved from avoiding bengal tigers they're oh, wow. so switched on and you may get a lot of opportunities uh but but you, you mess up a lot. You yeah. fail a lot. They yeah. beat you a lot. Their instincts are so keen. They're so switched on. They're so quick to jump a string that, that you, you get immersed in the challenge and you fall in love with hunting them. And when I first went, I thought, oh, I'm going to hunt goats and pigs and axis. And I, I did do that. I went and experienced sure. it. Sure. And then I was right back to axis. And I, like, I have no need to ever shoot another goat. They're too easy. They're, uh, yeah. it's uh, not. they're yeah, they, and they, they don't eat that good. Right. So it's like, it's just, uh, not something that's like, I want to spend all my time right. hunting axis. How does it compare to like antelope? Is it's, it similar to like stalking antelope? Yeah. With a bow? Um, it's it's real similar to hunting antelope with a bow. They're just as switched on, but they live in more covered terrain. Gotcha. Uh, you got to be really good at still hunting, which mm -hmm. you got to learn to slow down and still hunt all the way through the place. Like it's not spot and stock hunting so gotcha. much as it is still hunting and seeing them before they see you. And so it hones in on these different skill sets that 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 you that you really haven't focused on before, or maybe once hunting blacktails or something like that, or maybe like when you're stalking elk, when you get in close, you really slow down and you start to still hunt through that timber, sure. but you do that the whole time for wow. miles. You wow. still hunt through there. Uh, it's a terrain they live in, but yeah, real similar to antelope and switched on. What do Got you think, it. David? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. The, the problem mm -hmm. is, is 
you'll spot a buck. There's a lot of dips and valleys and little holes and stuff, and the grass is really tall. Yeah. So you'll spot a buck and be like, I'm going to stalk that buck. <laughs> but in that course of the 200 yards, there's probably 100 more deer. Yeah. So you're you know? blowing and them out it's, before it's, you get It's kind of... There's babies everywhere. Like, I don't know if you've experienced <laughs> yeah, this. You're absolutely. like stepping on babies. What? Yeah. You find them in the no grass. Way. They, and they yeah. jump and they scare the hell out of you. Like, this is. Uh, so, what I started, when I first went, I was like, oh, I'm going to stalk that one. No, I'm going to stalk that one. So, but now, to Brian's point, it's just move slow. They're everywhere. So, you know, you'll, you're bumping them the whole time. They're blowing at you the whole time. The, whatever the sound is, I uh, can't. You, 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 yeah. Oh no, that's an antelope. That's oh, gosh, I was say, that sounds just like I'm, an antelope. I'm so bad at my. Uh, I can't remember, but it's annoying. Yeah. And again, the first time I was like on the ground. As soon as I hear them, but it's like pretty soon I realize, oh, they're just doing this all day because they can see you from. It's not. Sure. They're looking at you from everywhere. I mean, you're just you're blowing deer all the time. But what you got to figure out is if you move slow enough, pretty soon you'll. You know, you'll intercept them, or you'll come up on the tines in the grass, or and uh, you kind of figure it out. And you know, it we don't figure it out. The hardest part, though, in my opinion, is the actual shot. I won't name names, but the first time <laughs> I went there, I was with very good shots, and a couple of the individuals were almost in tears by the day three. <laughs> I mean, really? we were. All, I mean, I'm serious. <laughs> That's the truth. It was I a know psychological. Nightmare. I mean, oh, it it, you is. really yeah, like you really start to doubt yourself. Yeah, yeah. Wow. You're like, what am I doing wrong? Because mm-hmm. you like release a perfect arrow, and it's like the deer's not even there, or you know, or you'll release a perfect arrow and it'll jump your string so bad you'll make a bad shot, and it's very difficult tracking there. Mm-hmm. So if you hit one bad, it's not fun. Nope. You can't find them. It's mm-hmm. the 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 grass has caves under it. There's like these little the. Um, it's like a cave, like little burrows and stuff. And we found that these deer would, a lot of times, even on a good hit, sometimes they're hard to find. Those. Yeah, and then it's like bare yeah. dirt, clump of grass. Bare dirt, and then on that red dirt, dry blood is hard to see. So so I found you got to nail them. I yep. mean, you got Perfect a, shot. Perfect, and you got to almost watch them. I remember, I'll never forget this. I was just thinking about this before bed the other night. You know how you rerun through things? On Lanai, the first night, I saw a, a giant velvet. And, you know, they're... They're in all different stages. You know, you'll see sure. velvet, and you'll see hard horn, then you'll see some with no horn. Uh, this one is like just a per, just a big velvet buck. And anyways, long story short, I stalked in there, and I, I got right with him, and I popped over the grass, and he was like 10 yards. So I, I popped an arrow on the string, and by the time I got over, he had moved, they move a lot, kind of like bears do. They're always doing something. Anyways, I got over. He was 22 yards, and, he, and I drew back, and he came perfect into an opening broadside. And I shot... A great arrow. I watched it go all the way to the veins, right in the middle of the shoulder, mm. and come out the other side. He like lunged, it broke, arrow fell on the ground, and they run so fast, I couldn't even honestly tell what direction he went. Wow. And I got up there, arrows laying on the ground, no blood anywhere. But then I realized, well, it's in the shoulder, the, the hole closes up, you know, it's kind of weird, it's not like it's beyond. I never found a drop of blood. I lost that deer. Oh, I man. could not. I looked Bummer. that night and the next morning. But I had no direction. There's deer everywhere. Yeah. And he, but if they if they do that that death run they do for 200 yards mm-hmm. in those clumps of grass, it's a maze. Yeah. You can't find them. So extremely difficult. And that it broke wow. my heart because I yep. know I killed that buck. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I there was nothing I can do. And then it's so hot. You know it's spoils yeah. there's yeah. no use in looking for it for longer than a day yeah. right 
um, that was really a bummer. But that, that, that I would say, is the hardest part about those deer is you're at high risk of wounding and you're at high risk of missing. It's, it's kind of a psychological battle that you're going to have. It totally is a psychological battle. I remember battle. your trip last year. I remember you posted a picture of an arrow sticking in a tree. Was this last year? Yes. And I'll never forget it because I'm like, I was falling along. And Brian, like he said, his goal was to go out there and shoot perfect arrows, nothing else. And I think that has to be your mindset. You shot that arrow, everything was right. The deer wasn't standing there when it got there, right? Am I telling mm-hmm. the story? I don't. I, can't, I, I wasn't there, obviously. Yeah. Uh, 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 no, he was. He was there. So um, this this buck I was hunting. I was hunting a a big herd with multiple shooters in it. And um, with with these um, axis deer, you have to play every stock perfectly. It's almost like mule deer in that way. Mm-hmm. The minute you shortcut, the minute you try to move too fast or move through an opening yeah. or in between brush, they catch that movement and they're gone. They're so good. Yeah. They key in on the eyesight and on the movement. So, gotcha. Uh, I'm stalking this herd and it's got some shooters in it and um, get down and, and uh, I'm crawling and using the ungulation to get up there and get in close and I get in close and I get set up to my knees and I'm waiting for a shot and I've got these good bucks that are milling around me and this really good buck that I'd want to shoot probably be my best buck to date uh, I came out and he was 40 yards I had a good range on him and uh, he walked out and um, I, I drew back when his head was behind the tree and he stepped and then um, the the, there was a tree right in his vitals and I could just see his shoulder and then he took one more step and he opened up his vitals so now all I got to do is put it in between the, the shoulder yeah. and that tree now 40 yards like I probably could have punched that shot off and punched it right in the spot but I let my pin sit there and I kept pulling on it like I'm supposed to like my quality execution yeah, right. <laughs> like I had made up my mind I'm only going to execute correctly and if they walk they walk if I, you know, because it is a psychological game out there, and if you start yeah. missing or you 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 wound something, like it gets in your head and it can yeah. ruin your whole trip. Only perfect arrows, and so I sat there, and that pin went shoulder tree, shoulder tree, shoulder tree, break, and it hit that tree by maybe a half oh. inch and buried that arrow right in there, and that oh. buck took off. So yeah, that was a that was a miss I had over and through there, but I executed correctly, so I didn't yeah. beat myself up. But it was a beautiful buck I would have loved to it kill. It makes you wow. value how slow elk are. I, right? <laughs> they wait on the arrow. And they're not slow either, right? We yeah, all yeah, had yeah, elk sure. jump our strings, but yeah. man, at least an elk, some of them will let you draw while they're looking at you and just shoot them, yeah. you know? Yeah. Uh, these deer, no, 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 yeah. no, no, no. I, I've shot him, um, like I had a buck cross and I was trying to cut him off and he was moving and cut him off on this ridge line, got set up, got a range on the tree where he was going to cross and he steps up and I stop him and I shoot this buck and he's completely broadsided, like 40 yards or something. And by the time my arrow got there, it hit him in the front of the chest. Yeah, he spun into the arrow. Yeah. They just react to the shot and they'll just make you look like a fool. They'll get out of the way <laughs> yeah. of the arrow. But the minute they don't jump your string, it'll be you that messed up and punched a shot off and then you miss him. And then you're you're even in a, a bigger psychological battle. <laughs> <laughs> I tried a couple couple days with my recurve. Yeah. Oh, man. And my recurve doesn't shoot super fast. I don't know exactly what it shoots. I don't really care because it's a recurve. It's just, it is what it is. <laughs> right. And I remember one night, I was actually hunting with Kimmy Warner. Do you know who that is? Kimmy mm-hmm. Warner. She's a spear fisherman. Yeah. Kimmy Swimmy. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we were sitting there and some does walked out at like 32 yards, which with my recurve they like didn't have a clue we were there and they were feeding broadside and i'm like i can make this shot you know i've been hunting the recurve my whole life and i i drew back and anchored and picked a spot and got through my clicker good good release executed and i'll never forget 
I mean, that deer probably was 20 yards from there by the time the arrow Because <laughs> in, in my mind, it was like slow motion, and the deer's gone, and it's like my arrow's still going, and, and it's like it hits the dirt, and it was like it was embarrassing. Kimmy was she was this is one of the first times she's ever bow hunted, and she was standing. I, I was like, that's that was really bad. I mean, it was actually a good shot. It's just yep. the deer yeah. was. I mean, realistically, probably five yards from where the arrow hit, but it's still nowhere close nowhere. by the time the arrow there got there. There wasn't a chance. So yeah. I went and broke the recurve down and took my compound back out. I'm like, <laughs> I'm not doing this. But I really would like to get one of those bucks the recurve. I think that's the old. It'd be amazing. Robin did it. Yeah. Uh, what? A couple months ago or whatever? Yeah, yeah, he did. That was pretty cool. Yeah, uh, he's been at it a long time. Yeah. He takes that recurve, like, uh, uh, you know better than anybody that to, to kill one with a recurve, yeah. you got to commit to a yeah. recurve. Yeah. Like, that yeah. is the yeah. challenge, yeah. you know? It's, yeah. You just got to decide. You're going to shoot him with this weapon or nothing, yeah. you know? Yeah, he was texting me, like, in the process of trying to get one. He's like, dude, this is so frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, this is so hard. Yeah. And it's hard on any animal. Man, that, that may be one of the... One of the, besides like a coos maybe mm-hmm. that would you know coos are really switched on too oh my yeah. gosh yeah get a spot and stock coos the recurve mm-hmm. i mean you're my hero <laughs> yeah right <laughs> mine too <laughs> yeah uh, so don't try it bryce or you'll be an axis no. hunter for life I'm, i mean you no, have you sold. gotta go i'm gonna go yeah, yeah you gotta go well we can go. i mean let's do a peaks trip out there buddy. well let's do mm-hmm. it yeah, be fun. Yeah, well, you guys are killing it. Um, yeah, great thanks. headlamp, great products. Uh, really fun to get you guys on the podcast. Yeah. And, Appreciate it. And yeah, so thanks a bunch for coming on. Appreciate yeah. you, thanks, man. Brian. Yep. Thank you. Okay. All right, guys, that's a podcast. Uh, fun conversation with those guys, diving into a lot of the gear, uh, and they're and they're producing great stuff. Like I say, I love that headlamp. I know it got, a lot of guys love those gators and coming out with um, uh, new stuff all the time. And I see that that Peaks has a new office there in Bozeman. I got to swing in and say hi to to Bryce in there. But um, yeah, I really like those guys. I really like David Brinker. Um, David Brinker is launching a new podcast, Altitude. Uh, I am one of the guests on his new podcast, so I'm not sure when my episode will release, uh, but he's going to be launching this podcast, I believe, um, next week, first uh, of June, I think, right around there. So be on the lookout for it. Um, David Brinker and I have really had some great in-depth conversations, and I love how honest and authentic he is. And we've had some great conversations off the mic as well. Uh, so interested in in people and their story. And so I did a great interview with me on his podcast. Can't wait to see that one come out. And uh, I, I know his podcast will do well and succeed. He's such a great conversationalist. Uh, so I'm going to try to record another podcast with David. Uh, so we'll we'll get that out. We haven't talked for a while, so um, be releasing that. And um I, I gotta come clean with you guys. I um I, I recorded a podcast with David Brinker last year at the Western Hunting Summit that's a live one and this great conversation all about in-depth stalking and hunting and mindset. And I forgot to release it to you guys. <laughs> I got so busy last summer, and usually I keep a good running list of the podcasts I have and get them out to you guys. Uh, this one just skipped my radar. I don't know if it was the 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 long nights training or what it was, but um, I do have a good David Brinker podcast that I'll be releasing to you guys that's from last year. So uh, anyways, uh, all in the life of a podcaster, just uh, uh, 
orchestrated or, or organized chaos, I think, half the time. But uh, anyways, we'll get that out to you. But this was a great podcast. I really like those guys, really like the gear that they're producing. So uh, made for a good conversation. So uh, make sure to check out our sponsors, uh, Savage, again, just building great out-of-the-box out accuracy. So impressed with this rifle that I built. That thing is shooting and really fun to shoot as well. Uh, just can't believe how accurate it is in the groups. Um, also, make sure to check out Sig Sauer, uh, just building great optics. Uh, so impressed. Spotting scopes, binos, the image stabilizing binos, uh, the range finders are off the hook. So make sure to check out everything that they're producing there at Sig Sauer. Also, make sure to check out Cutter Stabilizers, my boy Earl Stroll, uh, just a great human being and um, uh, really proud of what he's created over there at Cutter, really building the best bars and brackets on the market, uh, so impressed by him, uh, carbon fiber, lightweight, uh, adjust the weights by one ounce on the front or the back to, to help with the hold or with the reaction of the bow. Uh, it's just got my bow shooting this year better than I've ever shot. Uh, the groups are insane. So um, super excited for that. And uh, make sure to check out everything we're doing over there at Eastman's. Um, I do have a promo code for that tag hub that I mentioned in the intro. It's 22828, and uh, you'll receive 10% off of that. Man, with that, um, just been working away. Got in a little bear hunting here and there, seen some bears, um, haven't got any stocks yet. It's really slow in my neck of the woods. The grass is a long ways behind, but it's just starting to get good now. So I'll be putting in my time in the evenings. I did a, a cool backpacking trip last week, and well, by cool, I mean a foot of snow. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's some of these things you just have to go for, and I had this mountain range. I've been to it once and seen some bears in there, and my valley has been so far behind that I thought I'd travel over and go do it so I went and uh, backpacked in there with a buddy last weekend my buddy Dan Heaven, and uh, we got in there we got a little short session before it started to snow and then it just dumped about a foot of snow on us and um, so we just ended up riding it out and glassing when we could and next day when we woke up a foot of snow is not conducive to finding bears but we glassed our way out had a good trip anyways uh, stayed in the you know uh, backpacking's always fun trying to to get put on miles and then, um, you know, staying in the tent and, um, it, it was a really cool trip, even though we didn't turn up any, I think we did see a bear. Oh, um, last week I saw a pretty good one on the grass. So, um, you know, just didn't have a chance to make a play at it. So, uh, bear hunting's full tilt right now, trying to kill one with my bow, as well as trying to get work done from Barney construction. And, uh, my personal house is coming good. We about got all the walls framed, going to pour the garage on Thursday. So that thing's coming really good. And, um, yeah, just living life. My daughter graduates on Sunday. Uh, so looking forward to that. Um, we'll get her all finished up with school and boy, I'm going to miss that kid when she leaves the house for sure. But, uh, she's going to go make a good life for herself. So excited for her. And, uh, for me, man, I, um, leave on this trip, um, doing this trip with a bunch of my buddies from Hawaii. That's going to be insane. Going to be hunting mouflon, going to be hunting Axis. And, um, I fly out for that on Monday and, uh, going to do a handful of days over there and just couldn't be more excited. Got this bow really shooting well, um, ready to go get in some heat and, uh, go put on some miles and, and, um, go do some bow hunting. So, uh, so fortunate to be able to do a trip like this. So, um, yeah, fortunate, uh, guys can cover for me and take care of things. And, um, yeah, I'm feeling good. Going to go have some fun. So, um, that's what I'm up to. 
get my training runs in. Uh, been doing good, uh, being consistent, you know, doing a lot of work and working evenings and weekends and things, hunting a little bit here and there, but I've got a pretty good balance going right now of getting things done, enjoying life, getting my training in and things, and um, just been shooting a bunch of arrows, getting this bow all dialed in, so uh, super pumped, man, season's coming, uh, pretty much got my season all laid out um, in a couple more draws, but uh, uh, tags are getting tougher to come by, so the tags I do have, I'm going to spend a lot of time uh, enjoying the hunt to those and uh, really looking for a trophy critter. So uh, it's going to be an absolute blast. Can't wait. Uh, hope you guys have drawn some hunts you're looking forward to and uh, starting to finalize your plans for season. And the time to improve is right now. Uh, get that physical fitness up. Um, just read, well, I haven't read the book yet. I um, Cameron Haynes sent me a message and was going to get me a book. And uh, so excited to see that, but uh, it's been fun listening to him on some of these podcasts. Just his um, his will to succeed, his work ethic, uh, just some great takeaways, and I'm always into that motivational stuff. So his new book, Endure, uh, really excited to get a copy in my hands, but uh, yeah, enjoying listening to him. Um, eventually going to get him on the podcast here and have a conversation, well, I hope, uh, but uh, so... Um, yeah, I, I hit him up to be on. He's been so busy with this podcast tour, but hope hope to get him on and have an in-depth conversation. It'd be really fun and be the perfect fit for Eastman's Elevated, too. So uh, we got that coming up. Well, I don't have it booked or coming up. I hope to have that coming up, we'll say. Uh, but um, yeah, it's uh, all is good. Got some good podcasts lined up for you guys with some absolute killers. So uh, pumped to, to keep releasing these to you guys and um, keep working hard and Man, season's only a couple, two, three months away. Uh, it's on its way. So um, seems like it's so far away at times and then um, sneaks up on me. But uh, we'll keep getting our work done, keep working hard towards our goals. And uh, with that, I'll check in with you guys next week.